Blog Talk Radio. Hello there. Tonight's episode partner for Ready to Unload, number 180, is No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow. You can see No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow this weekend, Saturday night, in Southboro, Massachusetts at the Steeple Coffee House at 7.30 p.m. An evening with Carol Ann Solabello, Karen Oliver, and the Yayas of Fantastic Folk Music. Go check them out, steeplecoffeehouse.org or facebook.com backslash No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow. Okay, time for Ready to Unload with Carol and Sampy. Number 180. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight's entertainment. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Johnny and the mothers are playing something at the Savoy in Vermont tonight. Berman's gonna kill my brother at the Savoy Theater tonight. I didn't say that. No, but I know this grapevine. Why would I put it there? Kindness? 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 You stole it! He stole it! We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. Hello there, and welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast, episode number 180, coming to you live from Comac, New York, Bayside, New York, and Freehold, New Jersey. (laughs) It's the Ready to Unload radio podcast type program. Hi, everyone. I'm Sam Pete. I'm part of this equation. And you are listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Welcome back to the podcast for this week. Today is June 19, 2014. Coming up on RTU Sports stuff about sports. This is, I feel like this is one of my better intros. Really, and I'm, I'm not even finished with it. Like halfway through it, I feel like I'm already winning. Winning! I am completely, I won the intro. That's it. I beat the intro. This is the year. Hi, I'm Sam Pete. That, that part's important. Uh, let's bring in the co-hosts of the program. There are three. We have a lot of New York sports to talk about. We're going to talk New York sports nice. I have Kel. both an adult beverage and uh, a coffee nice. Kel. No big deal. We're just going to talk. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. So uh, let's bring in the other, the two-thirds <laughs> vote 
Oh boy. There it is. Make that louder, Peach. You want a bagel? <laughs> hey, Denmark. Yeah, take, just take one. Breakfast is on America. <laughs> Mr. Brian Calneva Calpino Caliente, take the long way home. We just have one request. It's an odd one. We're going to need you to take the long way home. Now, for somebody like you, Australia, that could take a while. Hi, Cal. It's a lot less than a request. It's more of a demand. <laughs> Look, we'll get breakfast. It's on us. America, it's on us. But your bar, your part of the bargain is you must take the long way home. <laughs> Into the bargain. Hi, buddy. Hi. How, uh, how you look uh, amped up tonight. Oof, boy, a little bit. Did you work out before the show? <laughs> I just had a four loco. <laughs> what is that? I had four of them. I had four four locos. That's, that's 16 locos. That's crazy. That's a lot of loco. What no, is the, what is the uh, loco? Is that an energy I, drink or something? I, I don't know. I believe it was one of those energy drinks that was banned a few years ago. <laughs> Made three people's hearts explode. Right. I, 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 I didn't have In Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom style, like it, the heart actually was able to be taken out of the chest. Out of the chest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, you fired up. Well, you're in the, uh, the art gallery again. Yeah, shh. <laughs> I gotta keep it down Cal, uh, PJ and I have, are of course using Uvu tonight to uh, <laughs> we've been giving them plugs for like two years I ain't seen a nickel Who, Uvu? correct uh, yeah. it's, it's on the way I ain't seen a red cent that's because I sign for all the checks <laughs> so that never makes it to me the Uvu money never makes it to me how do you think I bought the four four locos all the all the Uvu coin, all that Uvu bank never makes it to me. Uh, I, I always figured what you didn't know wouldn't hurt you. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people that have figured that about me in the past, I feel like. How are you? Good. Forget about me. How about you? I feel good. Big day tomorrow. Big day? It's Friday. My three-and-a-half-year-old is... Graduating from daycare. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I have to take a half vacation day. He's been practicing the song for a solid two months now. And I fear that I have, I don't know if I told you this, Cal, I fear that I have, because of my loud singing in the car, I fear that I have made him think that's the way to sing. Like so, Axl Rose? So, like, when I sing in the car, when it's me and him in the car, like, we, we jam and I sing full voice. And PJ, we'll bring him in, uh, in here in a second, Bishop Pigdona, can attest to the fact that my belt is loud. Like, it's really loud. There's, there's a certain volume level that has to be attained to reach certain notes. And so I'll do this in the car. And now I fear that I have taught my son that the only way to sing is to sound like Chris Cornell at all times. So he sings this song at the top of his lungs and is very angry. What's the song? <laughs> it's uh, graduation day. Graduation day. There's a train and it goes 
Where is that? And they, you know, they worked all these songs together. But he sings it tortured. He sings it like really like Soundgarden-y, like Mudhoney is there. Like it's like very, graduation day! Graduation day! <laughs> I, I get it's important. Just please calm down. Zach De La Rocha? Well. Is that his name? I think that was his name. There's I mean, it's still interesting. And it goes, graduation day! He's like, really? He's really nailing it. So that's tomorrow. This is just designed to make us weep. That's all this is. He's not going to remember if I was there or not. It's designed to make him make us weep, the parents. Does he get a capping gown? No, they get to dress up like superheroes <laughs> for graduation, <laughs> which I think they should take to college. Like, I was, yeah, I was going to say they're onto something. Let 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 like college graduates dress up as superheroes. Why not? They're all drunk anyway. Oh. Not not on graduation day, you're not. I was. For the ceremony? My goodness. <laughs> Breaking news. I was I was at a bar at five thirty in the morning. I put my cap and gown on at the bar. I sh- I showed up at like eight thirty. I was lined up to walk in and uh my dad my dad sees me. And he's like, and he smells me, <laughs> and he goes, "I see you're going out the way you came in." <laughs> oh yeah, oh, oh, drunk, very drunk. Not like sloppy drunk. No, <laughs> no, respectful. Drunk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a nice drunk. Hey, Cal, guess what? Why is he walking in backwards playing this song tonight? I don't know. Like backwards. He's back. He's back from I'm gonna learn my ABCs. <laughs> There's a train and it rolls. <laughs> Suddenly he's an Iron Maiden, my son. Hey, Bruce Dickinson's graduating today. How about that? <laughs> He's doing like the Angus Young thing down the... <laughs> Is that Brian Johnson? No, no. That's Wesley Sampietro. I sworn he graduated years ago. ago. Although he is... Angus is always wearing that schoolboy outfit. That's right. I K. Another day! He's not even in pre-K yet. This is to go to pre-K. Yeah, that's designed to make to make the daddy sniffle. That's it. And to go, I my d- big boy. Doubt highly they've dusted. Let me just put it that way. Yeah, well, my, <laughs> my son's kindergarten graduation, they all came out, they, they threw their arms around each other, and they sang, You've Got a Friend in Me. The oh, place boy. fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of five-year-old going, you got a friend in me. Like, oh, God, please. Make <laughs> it stop. <laughs> it's so manipulative. <laughs> then they all ask for ponies at the end of the song. Yeah. That's, how, that's how that works. They all simultaneously ask for a pony. 
And who are you to say no? Hey, how is your sabbatical? Are you sebated? I want to be sebated. You know it. Uh, what what does one do on a sabbatical? Um, I read a f- I read a few books. Yeah, anything good? I read a few books. I got educated a little bit, a little more. Did you read The Alchemist again? I read some uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh. I the, read The People's the History of America. <laughs> I read The People's History of America by Howard Zinn. I'm going to stop you. County. I'm going <laughs> to stop you right there, because the Zin, the Zin book. Yeah. You, you you would need a very long sabbatical. There's a lot to it. No, I, well, I, I didn't finish. Yeah, I didn't finish. <laughs> you were only gone for a week. <laughs> but I started it, and it's very good. Is what I'm trying to say. It's amazing not very good it's amazing but you gotta you need a highlighter and the will to live <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta take notes on that one that's what i've noticed yeah cal will you will you read a uh a novel or a book with a highlighter no have you read a book recently that inspired you to say like if you're reading it in your kindle or your ipad or something like that like i need to highlight this verse or this particular no. passage no have you ever done that? Uh, other than in school? Outside of school. No, but you know, I think I've taken notes. All right. I'm I, think I've, I think I've jotted something down. There's no judgment here. You look like you're frightened of judgment. I'm, I'm a little scared. PJ and I are like, going to have to end the, uh, the old podcast here. This guy. All right. Ready to unload with San Pete and Lightweight. That's <laughs> Ready to unload. It's not remedial to unload. (laughs) 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 Sam Pete and Lightweight. Literary Lightweight. Hello. I like a good book, but as we've discussed off the air, I have a hard time finishing books. I got 16 unfinished books on my nightstand. Yeah, it's it's become a problem. I run through them. Yep, it's become a problem. I started a book last night. I got about 30 seconds in and out like a light. Just I'm too tired. It's hard. It really is. I started the new Bill Sheft book, which I've been really dying to read, waiting for it to come out. Like an, uh, Bill Sheft used to be the head writer at Letterman and um, really funny comedy writer. And he wrote a book a long time ago called The Ringer, which is about a – basically a softball ringer in the city of New York. It's a great little book uh, about this guy who basically, that's his life. He goes and plays for like lawyer leagues and stuff like that. And he's an incredible ball player who is a ringer for softball teams. And he gets paid to play for, you know, like in the Broadway league or whatever. He gets paid by these, by these entities to win games. It's fictional or? It's fictional. Totally fictional. Great. It's a great little read. It really is a great book. I actually was in touch with him on Twitter uh, about six months ago or eight months ago. I complimented him on that book, and it came out of really – I'm talking 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago, that book. And I said uh, one of the reasons I was attracted to it was because I was an actor, and I thought it would make a great movie. And being a, 
being an ex-baseball player who was doing exactly that at the time. I was a ringer on a softball team. Um, I was like, I, I could totally play this. And he said it had been optioned for a movie and it never got past the script stage. Oh. And now I'm too old to play it. Moving on. No, I don't think so. Too old. Softball. That's true. You're not too old. No. I'm too spared tired. Peach, uh, it's so really good to have you back where you belong. <laughs> I had welcome it back all queued good. up. Yeah. And what, what happened? I, I, I blew it. I was, <laughs> I was busy putting... It looks like... See, now Cal looks like he's making notes on something as we speak. Did you just he start is. reading a book immediately and highlighting it? No, I'm highlighting the real-time transcript of this show. So that tomorrow, right. at our at our production meeting, I'll be able to uh, to contribute something. Right. You got live note open right there. Yeah. Yeah. I think That's... what we want to do is the goal of this show is just to uh, walk away with Cal. Just he wants to be more studious. He's going to commit to being more studious. That should be the goal. Yeah. That's my objective. But is it your goal? It's not my goal. <laughs> Worst resume ever. I don't My have object- one of those anymore. No, no, no. Been a long time since I've had one as well. And, and Cal is clearly updating his right now as we speak. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> all set. Did you put that in special skills, Cal? Has read a book with a highlighter or taken notes? No, I just put has read a book. <laughs> you just Under stop. special skills, that's it. Ready to load with Sam Pete and Cliff Notes. Let's go. Here we go. Uh, Peach, we're going to talk. I don't. I periodicals. Do you read magazines anymore? I used yeah. to grab a, a Rolling Stone whenever I was going anywhere, so I would have something to read. Totally agree. I'm not. I'm not much of a magazine grabber anymore. I read Rolling Stone in college. I had a subscription in college, hmm. like throughout college, and then um, I would say probably five years ago. I read it every month. I picked it up every month and read it cover to cover. It was probably five, five, five six years ago. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was my commute magazine. This is pre-podcast. Podcasts have taken over my commute completely. I don't read on my commute anymore. Oh, you just sit and listen? I just sit and listen. I can't. I can't listen to a podcast. Speaking of, by the way, did you catch the Billy Gibbons one yet? No. No. Oh, the Billy Gibbons WTF? Oh my yeah. goodness! It's a it's it's a perfect history of just sort of blues and rock and roll. Little great little tidbit, little spoiler alert. He hung out with Jimi Hendrix. They played with one of his early bands. I think it was like the Thirteenth Floor Elevator, or the Walking Walking Side Walking Sidewalks, or something like that. The band before ZZ Top. They played with Hendrix. And so they were like opening with them or opening for them or playing with them or something. And he and Jimi Hendrix used to just sit there and trade licks. And he talked a lot about that. And like, <laughs> that was, I did not have an appreciation for where ZZ Top sort of stands in the. Oh, he the, is one underrated and now overlooked guitar player. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. And that, and that. Those early albums, like, we think of Eliminator because that's our generation, like Tejas or whatever, or, or Three, what is it, uh, 
Oh, I can't think of the album, but the, 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 there are like albums in the mid '70s that are like big, like huge albums. Oh yeah, the album that had like the Grange on it, and uh, yeah, like pre beard, yeah, pre beards, yeah. and pre sort of what they what we know them as. <laughs> Your son should start singing like that. I'm going to learn about shapes, what a triangle makes, and I'm going to pre-K. How, 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 how. <laughs> One of his classmates behind him with sunglasses on, like playing a blues riff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking, speaking of podcasts, is the exact opposite, <clears throat> the least revealing podcast of all time. On uh, Nerdist, they did over an hour with Tom Cruise. Oh, my goodness. And, oh, it's fascinating because over the course of an hour, all this guy said over and over again was, I just want to make movies. That's all he <laughs> said for like 75 minutes. It's unbelievable. Wow. It's, there is nothing there. They chipped away and chipped away, and he told story after story after anecdote with name dropping, and I did this, and how I met this, and how I did this, and the only thing they un, un, unraveled the entire time was, I just want to make movies. <laughs> That's it. Good job, by One him. trick pony. He's got one lane. He stays in it. I don't think he knows. What do you guys think of this? We were, I was talking about this with someone about Will Smith today with, in this regard. They just both happen to be Scientologists, but that's not the point. The point is more, there's an interview with Taz. Will Smith wasn't a Scientologist. He is. He'll never talk about it or admit it. Um, oh. <laughs> no, seriously. He's, he's, he, he definitely. Then how do you know Because he, no, he, he, here? Wait a minute. Look it up. Look it up. He All is. Right. But he doesn't acknowledge it in public, unlike Tom Cruise. Like, he's never said it in an interview or whatever, but he is. Uh, so he was on uh, Tavis Smiley. A buddy of mine sent me an interview of, with him and Tavis Smiley, and it's this great, in, you know, inspirational interview. I don't think those kind of guys, and this happens in sports all the time too, by the way, that their public persona and their private persona, there's no line anymore. Like, I don't think, like, like, it's not that Will Smith is fake. I just don't think Will Smith is like. I don't think there's a difference between. Not terribly that, deep. He sort of erased himself and became. Yeah, or that. Right, that super polished guy that you see in the interview is. That's what he's become. I feel like that's he's probably the same guy at home. Like he just doesn't know how to stop being that guy. Well, you know, you have to be, if you have to be that guy for so long, right? How do how do you stop? How do you turn it off? How? And I think Cruz is like that. Like I don't think. I don't think he exists outside of that polished product that's yeah. there. You know? I saw him on Jimmy that... Fallon, and he looked like a robot. Like his, <laughs> his answers were just like robotic. That's a great yeah, exactly. way to put it. Yeah, they, they're so polished that they've lost the, completely this, their sense of self. There's no humanity in there. No. No, that's what it is. No, there's definitely not. All right, we're going to talk about sports. Where's the fun load? Where is the fun load music? I can't find it. The hell with it. <laughs> well, now I have to go look for. Did I went. Get a race? Uh, 
No, it's there. I went Bob Euchre in Major League there. Post-game show is brought to you by I Can't Find It. What the hell with it? All right. Time for the big unload here on Radio Unload on the podcast. This is big unload for episode number 180. PJ, I got a question for you before <laughs> you go anywhere. I was just about to walk away. He was already on the can. His pants were down. He, was, he we thought he was free and clear. Pants are off. <laughs> I guess I could ask Steve, but no, no, I trust no, I PJ more on this. It's a grammar thing. Oh, no. No, it's easy for you. You've, you've made the right choice here, by the way, <laughs> on, on who to ask. Let me just, I'll, and I'm, I'll put out now. I'm going to sound stupid because I don't know the answer. What, what do they call the dots over the letter? You know, like when you have... Oh, that one you know. I do. But I'll let PJ say it. I'll take the answer that, from either one that, of you. Is that the umlaut? Yes. Say that again? Umlaut. <laughs> again, please? <laughs> umlaut? Umlaut? Well, the point of, of that, umlaut, did you know, I didn't know this, Motley Crue has two of them. Correct. <laughs> I, had no, I never knew that. They, they sure do. I never knew that. Yes. Yep. It turns out we've all been saying Motley Crue entirely wrong. Right? <laughs> <Because> <laughs> How would you say that with the umlauts? I have no idea. <laughs> Mootly craw? Mootly craw. <laughs> Mortley Crow? <laughs> I'm they, not no sure. Yeah, they never struck me. I noticed that like a long time ago, and it's stupid. It's really stupid. <laughs> it probably doesn't work either. They just decided to put them. Yeah, up. I think it was like I think it was one of those things that was like accidental. Like the guy was like, I saw this once. This will be cool. We'll put two dots. It doesn't mean anything. It's not like it's a real That's, symbol. Well, yeah. That is exactly, I'm sure, what it meant. Yeah. Why, why did they go with a pentagram? Right. They're, They're singing smooth. about partying in L.A. Why are they going with a pentagram? Because they have a song called Shout at the Devil. Ah, didn't think of that one. He's the wolf screaming lonely in the night. He's the blood stain on the stage. <laughs> Yet he knows the words. Spoke, He's a tear in your eye being through. tempted by his lie. He's a knife in your back. He's like rage. That. Tonight, tonight on Hair Band Poetry Slam, <laughs> PJ is going to read a little Motley Crue, Motley Crow. <laughs> you dig? But in the seasons of the wither, you stand and deliver and shout. Shout at the devil. <laughs> Everybody snap your fingers now. But there's a stand-up bass player behind PJ. How did that happen? She's got the looks that kill. Hey, they remade a Beatles song, you know. Round and round. What goes around comes around. You dig? They remade a Beatles song? 
They re- yeah, the Molly Crew remade Helter Skelter. Oh yeah, that's no. actually not a bad. That's not a bad cover of it. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, you can't say U two song. Come on. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is a song that we stole that Charles Manson stole from the Beatles. We're gonna steal it back. <laughs> and then Motley Motley Crue stole it. <laughs> it's like Bono. That's how he. That's how Bono very, very it. Stolen. <laughs> Either way, it's been stolen a number of times. <laughs> and if you want to talk about theft, you can talk about those who are suffering in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. What does that have to do about theft? <laughs> <laughs> Never question Bono. Right. This song is called Lemon. <laughs> <laughs> what? Bono, what? Where? I don't... I'm so confused. Okay. <laughs> Stealing produce in Africa. <laughs> Stealing produce. Somalians can't get good produce. It's called lemon. We can all end apartheid. <laughs> if you just don't steal the, the lemons. All right, let's welcome to the stage White Lion. <laughs> Wait. Wait. I never had a chance to love you. Wait. Wait. I only want a chance to love you. <laughs> now I only want to say that I love you. One more time. All right, all right, good job. Okay, let's let's talk about sports. All right. This was the night that we promised Doctor Erase that we were gonna have. have we were, we're gonna go right into sports tonight. So when he's, we talk about the world, he didn't know I was coming. I think it's my done. fault. Yeah, I, he didn't know that he, that the Bishop Big Donut had been off last week, so we had some catching up to do. Uh, we are going to talk about World Cup uh, soccer, though, with uh, Dr. Ray Stat when he calls in in a couple minutes. But before we do that, uh, obviously, just to touch on a couple things, Cal, the Rangers lost uh, a great game, really unbelievable game. You and I watched that last Friday night, texting back and forth to each other. Uh, watched the whole game. Really a gutsy effort by the Rangers, uh, but they got beaten by a better team. All this nonsense, oh, three overtime games and... They were beaten by the better team, uh, by far and away. Um, I don't want to hear about goal differentials or overtime games or whatever. The Kings were the better team. If the Kings were not the better team, they would have won games one and two um, when they had two goal leads in both games. So uh, it certainly didn't come down to an interference call. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Or a non-interference call. It's, it's, it's really... I, I had this conversation, Cal, with one of the, the good Ranger fans in my office. And I said to him, you know, he started you know, complaining about the, the interference call. Would it change the series, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, you know, this is – I'm a Jet and a Met fan. Trust me, this is the loser's lament. Mm. Okay, don't make excuses. You got beat by a better team. You got there. One call did not change the game, did not have an outcome on the series. So Stop. But I will say this. I said this to you a number of times. 
uh, in the last four years we've been doing the show about Henrik Lundqvist. And, you know, he still is overly celebrated, but that was an excellent performance. And he needs, in my, not that anybody gives a crap, but I think for the non-Ranger fan, he needed that playoff performance. I think it showed a lot of... It did a lot for, I think, his credibility and his case for being one of the top five goaltenders in the game. Because he did everything he possibly could for them to win that series. Or even be in that series. You know, so... I, I've, uh, I, I said for a long time that Lundqvist needs to get there and play well. Well, he got a team there. And he played exceptionally well. So maybe not overly celebrated anymore. They were there because of him. Exactly. They wouldn't have won Game 7 against Montreal without him. Yep. So. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't have won Game 4 in New York without him. You know, the one game that they did win. So, and, uh, and the fact that they were even in that game, in Game 5, Game 5? Game 5. The double overtime game. Yeah. He looked, he looked like he was unconscious at times. Yeah, like he didn't. He didn't even know where he was, and he was just stopping everything. And they, yeah. and the Kings were relentless. And he finally just it got to the point where he couldn't stop. He couldn't stop the last one. Yeah, and and you can't kill him for not stopping that. As a rebound, guys wide open, and he puts it home, and they win the game. I, I feel like it was. It's disappointing for Ranger fans, but it was a good series and a good playoffs for Henrik Lundqvist. It really was, and a lot to build on for them. And it also, it, you know, you're going to look at the record books and you're going to see that the Kings won in five. That's a misnomer. It was a much closer series than the, a five-game series. Yeah, but this is like, it, it was, Cal. All the games were close and, hot and closely contended, um, or contested. But, you know, I thought immediately of the Yankees and Mets Subway Series. In 2000, right? exactly. The Yankees won four games to one, but said the Mets were the most difficult competition and blah, 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 blah. They lost. They lost. Yeah, so? And they lost four games to one. Right. So the, the fact that the games were close doesn't mean that they were close to winning. It just doesn't. Right. They, they got beat by a better team. The Yankees in 2000 were a far superior team. It would have taken a very big upset for the Mets to win that series. Very big. I disagree, but okay. You don't think the that team was better? I know, I know what their record was. I'm not talking about their record. I'm talking about going down that lineup against Timo Perez, Jay Payton, and Benny Ogbayani in the Mets outfield, and and going up and down the Yankee lineup with seasoned guys going for their third World Championship in a row. Mm -hmm. Come on, that was a better team. Mm -hmm. I watched them play. I know you did too. I know you watched them. I mean, it was just a better team. Yeah, but I know you watched them. And, and forget, the, forget the record. The way that they played in the last month of the season that year, the Yankees, they were not that much better than the Mets. They were worse than the Mets in September. It didn't matter. When they got to the postseason, they were a better team. Okay. Ah. No, it's fine. That's what you think. That's fine. It was, you, I, I just... I, I think... To dismiss it because it was four games to one, well, it doesn't matter because it was four games to one. Like that's it. Just, I'm not it, saying. I'm not saying. I'm, I'm not dismissing the effort because of the result. You can't. Not do that. dismissing the effort. 
I'm just saying yeah. I'm not. I'm saying, though, that this idea, though, that it's a close series when it's four games to one, yeah, the, the games might have been contested or whatever, but it's four games to one. Yeah, so that's what you're doing. You, again, you're just talking about the outcome. You just keep coming back to four games to one. That's the outcome of the series. If the series was closer, they would have won two more games. They didn't. Why can't an individual game be close that they lose? It, of course it can. The, but it was four to one. And the better team won. Yes. No, nobody, nobody's arguing that the better team won. You're, just, you're making it seem like it doesn't matter. They were so far. They were four games to one better than them. Because that's the result. Yeah. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> I, dis- I, I, I disagree. And I disagree on the Rangers and the Kings, too. Well, okay. I'm try- I, I, don't think, I don't feel like I'm presenting myself correctly. Maybe not, because... What I'm trying to say was... To say that a series could have gone either way that ends four games to one is difficult for me to accept. I don't, that's fine. And I don't, I don't remember the Subway series, anybody saying the series could have gone either way. I think the, the talk after that series was the Mets played the Yankees very close. And they gave them a, a tough series. But it, there was nobody lamenting, oh, well, you know, it could have gone the other way. Gave, them, I, a, gave them a tough series. Okay. But I am, I'll, I'll say that. But I am hearing people say that about this Rangers King series. That it could like, that if you take the interference call away and if they only had held the two goal lead in, in even one of those two games, the whole right. series could I'm hearing that and that's you can't you can't say that. I yeah, agree. Maybe maybe that's maybe that's what I'm alluding to. The Mets absolutely gave the Yankees a difficult series. The Yankees said as much. They quote unquote gave them all they could handle. I don't need the Yankees to tell me that though. I watched every game. Yeah, as, we watched and, and they were I, all very close. They were all very close games. Except game two. Right. Which should have been close since Roger Clemens should have been kicked out of the game. Right. Um, so if he wasn't kicked out of the game and they would have won that game, then the whole series would have changed. No, I'm well, no, 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 I'm not. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying so. Roger Clemens threw like a complete game two hitter, right? And he threw a bat at Mike Piazza, right? You know, that's not a catcher's interference call or, or a uh, goaltender interference call. He threw a bat at Mike Piazza, right? And he also thrived on that too. That's right. that's why he pitched a three hitter or whatever it was. Yeah. No, I, I I just I don't like the idea. That, then I, then I represented myself wrong. I don't like the idea of. A four to one series win, victory, and saying, "Well, it could have gone either way." Well, I don't know about that. The Rangers certainly had their just opportunity. You, 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 but you, but you, nev- you never got yourself into position for it to go either way. Well, they, winning the series. Well, you can argue that they did because they had two goal leads in the first two games. But they didn't win. No, but they had themselves in position to win, and they didn't. But they didn't win. But they had themselves in position to win, and they didn't. I, yes, I know. I watched them. So I if they're the going results, to, so if it could have gone either win. way, if it could have gone either way, they win those games. They could. They they were in a position to win those games, and they didn't. So you can't say it could have gone either way. 
they're right. They didn't put themselves in a position to win the series. They didn't. So I can't say that it could have gone either way. They put themselves in a position to win those individual games, and then they didn't. Exactly. That, will you accept that? I will accept it. You're Thank you. Next. <laughs> What's next? Uh, it wasn't going either way. Got beat by a much better team. Okay, uh, last word. You win. <laughs> I don't know why I bother. I'm, I'm messing with you guys. I just, hey, let's, let's talk about the Mets. I just have to run it past Marissa. I'm messing with you guys. I'm, I'm actually, I am kidding, Cal. You're right. I'm, I'm going to rethink that. I think, what I, I think what I didn't like was the idea of it, it could have gone either way for that particular Ranger series. I can tell you what you didn't like. I know what you didn't like. Ranger fans. No. That's what you don't like. I, didn't, I, 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 I told you I, it was akin to the, uh, the, Mets, you know, the Mets-Yankees series and saying that we should have won this game or we could have won that game. Or whatever, it's a loser's lament. You lost the series. Well, you that's, play, yeah, that's you sure. played them tough. right? It was a good series. You played hard. But in the end, you lost four games to one. Mm-hmm. You, know, you didn't lose in game seven. You know what? You know what could have won? It could have won either way. Eighty-eight Mets. That series could have easily gone either way. And they got to a game seven, and they lost because Mike Sosha hit a two-run home run off Dwight Gooden in in, a, <laughs> in game two or game three. Again, I think you're looking at the final result of four to one, and you're taking some credit away from the Rangers for playing a good series. They played a good series. You can't say that they didn't. Yeah, no, they. I, I didn't say that they didn't. No, I'm. Well, I'm telling you that you can't. Oh, I see. <laughs> even if I wanted to, even if, well, you probably want to, but you know you can't. Strict. I just said Lundqvist was fantastic and amazing and did everything he, oh, in, under his, in his power. You're right. I'm pushing it. I should quit, we should quit while you're ahead. Quit, you should quit while you're ahead. I gave them credit enough now. That's true. Now they're playing golf. Now there you go. Okay. You know what I won't accept? And here, I, I, I think you'll be on board with this. Let's, let's get back on the same page here. <laughs> we, always, we always will. Redirect this ship. I can't take Ranger fans saying, Islander fans can't say anything. You can't say anything. I can say whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> don't, tell me, don't tell me what I can't say. I can say whatever I want. But this became a classic case of any time an Islander fan commented on the Rangers at all, had any observation to make at all. Oh, yeah, well, the Islanders aren't there. The Islanders stink. But yeah, but I'm not talking about the honors. I'm talking about the Ranger game last night. Right. You, know, you got a two-month head start on us on the golf course. Yeah, I. I so I'm shut just, up. So I can't talk about the Stanley Cup. Yeah, we're not allowed. We're not allowed to talk. Rangers and Islanders and Devils fans, shut up. Yeah, I, no, I. We are back in the same boat. Lot, lot of sore losing, going yes. on. Lot of sore losing. Yes. Lot of lot of sore losing, of a series that they shouldn't even have been a part of. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know, I, listen, I know. I, I'm sorry. I just know. I know a lot of. I know a lot of good Ranger fans that didn't do that, and they un, and they understood that where the, the place that they got to was not to be expected, and they appreciated the effort that they got out of this team for the last two months, and it was okay. The Kings were a better team. 
We lost. We put up a good fight, but we got two months more of hockey than we thought we were going to get. And those are the good Ranger fans that kind of understand it. Then you have the other ones that, you know, I hope, I hope they drop the cup, the Kings. Because <laughs> like, that'll show them. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they drop the cup. Yeah, that was a... Uh, a popular lament. I think that was a uh, radio producer of a popular New York, New York talk show. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, well. Renowned Ranger fan. Didn't, didn't like that he lost. Life's tough. That's all right. There we go. We're back. Yes. I, I don't think we were ever really off the page. But yeah, we were way off. Uh, I, was, I was highlighting this page. That's how far off we were. <laughs> when, you get, when, you get, right, when you're looking at the transcript, you actually, you actually for, the first time, for the first time in your life, read it with a highlighter. Um. And you, a ruler. You had you something you wanted. You, <laughs> you had something you wanted to say about the Metropolitans, I think. Yeah, just a little bit. Let's hear it. Well, did you? Uh, should we talk about tonight or no? Doesn't matter. Is tonight germane to your rant? Not rant. I think Germaine Gonzalez. Herman. Right. Herman. Uh, is it? Uh, is it? Uh, no, it's not. Well, it is a little bit. Here's all right. So this is this is the angle that I'd like to take. Um, as a Met fan, I think the important thing that everybody needs to do ever for the rest of time being a Mets fan is temper expectations always. And the reason why I say that is because this franchise, while they want to win, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't stoop to saying they don't want to win, because that's ridiculous. Everybody wants to win. Everybody. Who doesn't want to win? If you, and if you work in professional sports where the ultimate goal is winning, you don't want to win? No, no, I, I, I absolutely do. Okay, you're pointing to yourself like, oh no, I'm I'm the one that doesn't want to win. Correct. You got that wrong. <laughs> I was just saying everybody does, and I'm no, I don't. Yeah, no. <laughs> I want to tie. <laughs> Actually, I just want to put up a good fight, so it could so it could go either way. <laughs> I don't really want to win. Everybody wants to win, of course. the The difference is so you take everybody in sports, they want to win. And what separates those people from the winners are the ones that are willing to do whatever they need to, to win from a resource standpoint, from an effort standpoint, from a talent standpoint, you'll do whatever you have to, to win. The New York Mets are not one of those teams. (laughs) They're not one of those franchises. I believe they want to win. I believe they want to win badly but they don't want to win badly enough to do what they have to do to win. And it occurred to me this week, I was mowing the lawn, and I was listening to the Sunday game. I think it was the Father's Day game. I was listening on the radio. And Howie Rose, who does a great job, I mean, he's probably one of the only things 
enjoyable about the Mets right now. And Josh Lewin, we're talking about <laughs> how the place was packed, and they were talking about it's a beautiful Sunday afternoon. It's a Norman Rockwell day. There's 39,000 people here. Fathers are, are hanging out with their kids, and, it's, and it's, they get to run the bases after the game and really just, just laying it on thick and really excited about it. And it occurred to me that the Mets operate as if they were a large-scale independent franchise. Not a Major League Baseball franchise, an independent franchise. Because when you watch a commercial, when the Mets run those promotions, and it's marketing, I get it, but how often are they promoting, come down to the park to see David Wright. Come down to the park to see our great young pitching that we have. It's come down to the park for free shirt Friday. It's come down to the park for a concert with 50 Cent. Come down to the park so you can run the bases after the game and go to the Mets family plaza where there's face painting and balloon animals. And, and that's, that's what it's all about for this franchise. They can't promote the team because the team stinks. So what they're trying to do is market to everybody else. They're marketing to the families. They're marketing to the people that just want to come down to the park to have a good time for a great day out, out at City Field. And, yeah, we want to win, but if we don't win, that's okay. I had a Shake Shack burger today, and I got a nice suntan. I'm happy. And I got this cool bucket cap that they gave me. Ah, we'll get them next time. And there are far more fans out there like that than there are like us who live and die with this team and want them to win so badly. That's what I thought of while I was mowing the lawn. <laughs> I, think it's, I think your thesis is really spot on, Bri. I really do. We, look, we've been doing this show a really long time, like four and a half years, whatever it is. And the Mets have gone through a lot in that time, and we've talked about most of it. They're at a very weird place right now. And we're at, I think, an odd place in our fandom in that the level of frustration we have it's not that it's come to a head. I mean, we've, we've had boiling po- uh, points and sort of boiled over before. But you said something the other day when they won where I was thinking about it and I said, I don't know if I've ever felt this way either. Like, they won that, that getaway game uh, against the Cardinals, that day game. And yesterday. I, uh, yesterday. And I was almost like, I hadn't checked the score. I, I checked back in it to see like a final score. Like I hadn't paid attention to the game all day. And they won, and I was kind of like, ah. Now, I wasn't rooting for them to lose, but every win means more changes won't happen. Not that, not that there's a guarantee that changes are going to happen anyway, because the general manager said so. Of course, of course, absolutely. But, 
But to to you know they won a game three two against the Cardinals, and so now they're eight games under five hundred instead of ten games under five hundred. Right. And what does it matter? It doesn't. They're, they're not. They're not gonna make a run. They're not good enough. I'm sure they they want to, and they're. I, that's that's the argument that you hear all the time. It's not like they're not trying. Of course they're trying. Well, the, the, the I am, players are. Yeah, the players. I'm sure the players are trying. Ownership's not. Ownership is not trying. Ownership's not trying to win. You said, not. you said everybody wants to win. Mets ownership is not trying to win. No. All they're trying to do is hold on. No, no, I'm not calling you to task. I'm saying I think Fred Wilpon would like to win. That, well, that's my point. Everybody would like to win. But they're not trying to. They're not doing what they need to. I'm not convinced that Jeff Wilpon wants to win. Uh, I don't think... <laughs> I'm, I'm really not. I think if it's anybody, it's Saul Katz that doesn't want to win. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not sure Saul Katz knows he owns a baseball team. No, no, he, he knows. Uh, he knows now. He's trying to... Once it started losing money, he knew all about it. Oh, what's that? I own this team? Wait, wait, what? I, wait. That, that little check that I've been getting the end of every month for, for 30 years? It has to do with the Mets now? What are you talking about? No, I, I just... I don't want them to lose. I would never actively, and I have never actively, rooted against one of my teams. But it just feels like changes are so far away. Well, it's, and, and the only thing that would change it for that, for that fan that you're talking about, too. See, nothing's going to change it for the 10,000, 15,000 people that are going to go to that stadium just to go to the stadium or, or to go to the you know, city field just to go to the field. Like, that's our problem right now as diehard Met fans. Our problem as guys that and, – and men and women that live and die with this team and so badly want to see changes in ownership and so on – is that it's never going to happen when they get 10,000, 15,000 people there, or 15 or 20,000 people there a night. The baseball never gets bad enough for 15,000 people. And that's all they need to just financially hold on. And then, you know, the occasional $35,000 Father's Day game, 35,000-person Father's Day game, and that's enough for them to just hold on to the team, just weather the storm. See, that's all the Wilpons are trying to do, Cal. Oh, I agree. They're just trying to weather a storm and but hold just, on to this team with this death grip. And it's coming at the cost of thousands and thousands of fans. Thousands just, of fans. But it's a storm that's not ever going to pass. And they know that. No, I know. They don't care. I know they don't care. But that's, that's – we could talk about the on-the-field stuff. We could talk about sending Travis Darno uh, down to the minors and he's hitting well there and how people have given up on Travis Darno. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Well, people gave up on Zach Wheeler, too. He pitched a three-hit shutout tonight. Yeah, three-hit shutout with eight strikeouts or nine strikeouts right. against the Marlins, who, by the way, Mike Francesa said 13 times today are better than the Mets. Right. Um, so, and that'll be discounted tomorrow because he'll say it's the Marlins after he said they were so much better today. Um, we could talk about, you know, every aspect of this team right now feels like a negative. You know, like I said to you today, I was excited that Brandon Nimmo and uh, Dilson Herrera and uh, Steven Matz were going up to double A. They had done a great job in high A ball, and they're progressing through the system nicely. And you're right. It's tempered. Like, that's great. So, uh, good. I'll see them in three years. Right. 
you know, what about now? I told you about this conversation I had with Dan, our buddy Nello, mm-hmm. who's, a, who's a great Yankee fan. And last Friday night, we went out to dinner instead of going to the Met game because it was rain delayed uh, with another buddy of ours, Darren, who's a Met fan. And Dan's a Yankee fan. And we got into like a 20-minute passionate, great discussion about the Mets. And Dan's point was he likes the plan. As an outsider, he would trade the Mets' future for the Yankees. Because his point was, what do you want Alderson to do? Do you want him to trade or or give up on young pitching for a team that's only going to win three or four more games this year without Matt Harvey? And I said, ah, there's the key. And I said to him, Dan, there were moves they could make that would have just cost money. Not players, not their future, just money. That makes it a better team now. And he said, well, you really want those three or four more wins? I'm like, yeah, I do. Yeah, because you know what? I may only get three or four more wins. I'm also going to get about 25 more competitive games. And I'm also going to get, you know, Kendris Morales up in the ninth inning with a chance to tie the game instead of Lucas Duda. But, you know, to the outsider, Cal, eh, they love the plan. Hmm. You, you discount from the outside the emotional investment that's on the team. And the, and the, the promise of this year. He, com- well, that, he completely discounted the, the, the bill of goods we were sold for 2014. Well, that's, that's, that's the other thing. is Because you, we waited three years. And all along, for three years, we were told we need to get out from these contracts. We need to create payroll flexibility. It was a year. And, and without coming out and saying... 2014 is going to be our year because you can't come out and say that. And he never did, Sandy Alderson. He never came out and said, watch for us in 2014. <laughs> but, he, but he alluded to, he alluded to the Jason Bay contract. But then he, he, to the he said they were going to win 90 games, Bri. He didn't say they were going to win 90 games. No, no, but, but you know what he said. He set the bar high for his executives. He said, this is a team we've assembled that could win 90 games. Right. So we should be thinking that way. This was so, after Matt Harvey was hurt. Right. And, so when he got leaked to the media, he knew it was going to get leaked to the media. So then just back off that. Right. That just, just back off that. You know, he would have he it, it would have pissed everybody off if he would have been open about what the intention was for this past off season after Harvey went down. Because you can you can you can tell me whatever he wants. I will never ever believe that he didn't change his plan the minute Harvey was lost. He did. Dan, I mean, you know, the outsider said it. You don't have to follow the team every day to know that. But he wasn't forthcoming about it. And he no, was supposedly, exactly. supposedly forthcoming about everything for three years. That's what we all thought. Yep. And maybe in hindsight, it's because that's what we wanted to think. Yep. We wanted to think the grown-up was in charge and here he was coming in to clean up the mess that was made by the people before him. And now we got a plan and things are going to be done right. And they're going to set us up for the future. And we're not going to have to worry about this team because there's going to be sustained success. We just got to get through these couple of years. Yep. That's what we wanted to believe. And I know and I'm, I'm talking about myself. That's what I believed. And then we waited patiently, got to this offseason. It's like, all right, we got some money coming off the books. 
There's some players out there. We've got a surplus of young, of young pitching. Now let's see what you're going to do because this is what we've been waiting for. And, and we all know what he did and didn't do this offseason. And by January, it was very clear he had changed his plan for this year because Matt Harvey was not in the picture and they weren't expected to be a legitimate contender without him. And he, was, and he never once ever was forthcoming about that. And that, to me, is, what's, is why I get so angry about it. Right, which is, which is totally fair. But is it also fair to speculate, Cal, that at some point, and again, I'm not saying he's not complicit, Sandy Alderson, he is, but at some point, don't you feel that perhaps the financial rug was slipped out from under him as well? It's possible. I mean, we got evidence of that last week when K-Rod was in town with the Brewers and said, I talked to Sandy Alderson, I want to go back to the Mets. They didn't offer me nearly the money that the Brewers did, and when I came back with the Brewers' offer, he said, I can't pay it. Not, not, I won't pay it. He said, I can't pay it. There's a big difference there. I think, the, I think, the, I think Sandy Alderson was sold a bill of goods on how much money he was going to have. Or maybe he said, look, let's not spend the money this year because Harvey's down. I don't know. But I don't... I, I, don't, I tend to think that more... You, you really trust that the Wilpons suddenly have an open wallet, Brian? No. Come on. They no, have no money. I don't, but I do, I do believe that if Sandy Alderson fought for something and he wanted to spend money on something, he could have made it happen. They didn't spend any more money than that came off the books. None. No I, new money. Well, as it turned out. No new I'm, money. At, be, because I believe he changed his plan and decided, there, let's hold the money for next year. I think there was new, no new money there. None. I think he was promised new money and he never got it. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like I said, they're all complicit to some degree or the other. It starts with ownership. It starts with the Wilpons. We've known this for a long time. My thing with Alderson was what I, what I said to you, which is you, can't, you cannot kill him for having to shop in the bargain basement bin. You can't. It's, he's had to shop for crap for four years for the major league team. You can kill him for choosing so poorly in the bargain basement bin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do we say? He said, like, you know, he picked... He's the guy who picks, like, Wham's Christmas album when In Utero is there for, like, the same price. <laughs> you know, they're both 99 cents. He takes Christmas with Wham. You know, he's chosen poorly in shopping in the bargain basement bin. That you can absolutely kill him for because he was supposed to be better at it than people. Well, that's the issue. He's supposed to be good at it. That's why he's here. He's here because the Wilpons have no money, and Bud Selig said, "Come, you need to go in and help my buddies out because you're good at building a team on a shoestring." Yep. And it didn't hasn't worked out that way. Now I will say, you've seen positive things from the people he's drafted. Uh, you are. I know. You know, uh, Darno is a failure. That trade is an abject failure because Syndergaard hasn't, uh, you know, come to the majors and won 37 games yet. And, and Darno's had a whole 300 at-bats in the major leagues. By the way, can we stop? Can we ask people kindly to stop using 4A player? Because they really don't know what it is. They don't know what it is. Because Darno gets sent down and he, you know, tears it up immediately. Oh, he's a 4A player. 
No, no, that's no, no. A 4A player is a guy who's been to the major leagues like five times and had 18 chances and always hits when he hits in the minor leagues and doesn't hit when he hits in the major leagues. Travis Darno is one of the top-rated catching prospects in baseball. Right. He's, he's had 300 major league at-bats, okay? He's not a 4A player yet. He may be someday. He may be. Let's hope not. But he's not a 4A player. Stop. Stop. You don't know what it is. Stop. Stop. What's his name uh, uh, with the Mets right now? Campbell. Eric Campbell. Eric Campbell's a 4A player. Josh Satin. Josh Satin. Perfect example of a 4A player. He's had several chances. He's clearly not good enough to be an everyday major league player. Taylor Teagarden. 4A player. He may not Andrew Brown. Good. Andrew Brown. How about the guy that the Mets had a couple years ago who's hit 400 home runs in the minor leagues? What's yeah. his name? Uh, Hess. Mike Hessman. Mike Hessman. Not Doug Hess, our friend, who's the head men's soccer coach at Drexel. We're all very proud of him, by the way. He's not a 4A player at all. No. Uh, speaking of soccer, you feel good about the Mets? Oh, one last thing about the Mets. Terry Collins is the worst. The worst. He's, he's killing independent George. He's terrible. He's terrible. I can't. I can't take it anymore. He's terrible. He's part of the problem. But I'm. You know, it's funny because I'm start. I'm actually starting to come. Not, not that I'm coming around on him, because he's got to go. He's he's done as a manager. But he really has been given such garbage to work with. Oh, I don't. Oh, Brian, I don't care that I don't. I don't. Oh, please. What, please what, with what's garbage. He gonna, what's he going to do anymore? I, I, I hearken back to that article that I sent you. Hearken? It's very dramatic. <laughs> I hearken back to the article that I sent you the other day about his teams fading down the stretch because he pulls, he's got everything reined so tight and guys get up tight. Every team he's ever managed has been terrible in the second half. Every team. That's not garbage. He didn't have garbage three years ago. No, of course not. But he has garbage now. He he has yes. So do other guys. Other guys get more wins out of their their teams. Yes, that's true. That's true. He's terrible, and he's actually detrimental to players' development now. Detrimental. Mm-hmm. That's true. I'm. i look on 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 the list of culprits here. Terrible. I think we both have the Wilpons at the top. There's no doubt. Top I of my period. Top of my period. Uh, period. Pyramid. Is, the, is it like an exclamation point? It is an exclamation point. <laughs> They're the part, top of the period. Correct. Right, and, and we agree on that. I think then we argue about who comes next, because I say it's Sandy Alderson, you would say it's Terry Collins. No, I, no, I put Alderson next. We argue the degree. Okay, that's true. Like, the Wilpons for me are so many thousand feet higher on the pyramid than Sandy Alderson is. Like, they're just... They're, there's... The level of screwing up this organization and this franchise is like... If, if, if it's out of 100%, the Wilpons are at 98. Sandy Alderson's like 5. Wow. I mean, uh, 92. Sandy Alderson's like 5, and, and Terry Collins like 3. Uh, so you absolve the players... Completely. You have to. No, you cannot. You have to. Nope. 
No, no. I'm just saying, you, but you can't fire the players. No, of course you can't fire them, but... It's not Lucas Duda's fault you, that the organization has fallen into an abyss. You also can't fire the owners, so you can't use that argument. The players bear responsibility for sucking. I, but I can't... But the, the GM chose them. The manager plays them. And, and the players play bad. Then the, the GM needs to pick better players. Yes, I, I'm. I'm. They're the players are. It's not like they're having like a butt fumble moment every night. So you're gonna you you are comfortable absolving Ruben Tejada of of anything. It's not Ruben Tejada's fault that they that he stinks, or well, that the or that the organization, the organization thinks too highly of him. Well, Ruben Tejada is actually Terry Collins' fault because I, they they keep running him out there. Well, no. <laughs> And they keep begging for him to be what he was for about a 70-game stretch in 2012. But he's not a computer figure. Yeah, he is. Is he? In this, in this, in this equation, Cal, they are. The players are irrelevant. I don't, I don't agree with that. I, I don't. They bear responsibility because they're so bad. But they're they could they're play only, better. But they're only on the field because the general manager put them there. Right. So they're there. Now play better. But they're not good. You can't ask Lucas Duda to be good when he's not good. It's not his fault. It's not. It's, not. it's his parents' fault. It's, no, it's it's not. It's. Lucas Duda shouldn't be the starting first baseman on the team. It's not oh, his fault. Of course not. Of course not. Yeah, Ruben Tejada shouldn't be the everyday shortstop. That's Sandy Alderson's fault. Well, that's Terry Collins' fault. Whatever. Ruben Tejada still shouldn't even be here. I'm not even supposed to be here tonight. Let's get Dr. E. Ray in here and talk soccer. Call is up. He on, is he on the line? He he's in he's listening to the show. He said it, it was such a lively debate. He didn't Dr. want to interrupt. Dr. is unavailable. He didn't want to interrupt. I can't believe we have kept that card for three and a half years. I would like him to call if he's listening. I w- we would love to. We are ready to talk World Cup soccer. We're ready. There he is. Our waiting music. Let him in. Put him right on. He's yeah, in. He doesn't. He doesn't hold for nobody. He holds for no man. He's already on. There he is, Doctor Ray. How you doing, boys? What is up? Not that I'm so distracted by the lounge music, I can't even can't even talk here. That's a scene from an Italian restaurant. You grew up on Long Island. Oh, I know, I know. What a great debate you guys had just then. I really enjoyed, uh, and and especially you guys got a little heated before that. Very nice. A little bit. Things, all, things, all, things, it's all contrived for radio. Things are very, uh, very tense with Cal and I right now about the Mets. Almost on a nightly yeah. basis. Very I, tense. I'm, I'm hearing that. I'm hearing We're, that. It's, this is, it's hard this, to believe, though. You were, you were just defending um, the... Uh, you were basically taking the blame away from the players completely, Steve. I could not believe that. I, I just... in this in, For what has happened to that organization, I don't think you can blame the players... Per se, I think the problem starts with the owners, and then is the general manager, and then is the manager. The players stink. That's not their fault. They're on the team. That's true. <laughs> I've said enough. 
I, I, you know, here's what I'll, here's what I'll blame the players for, guys. Here's what I'll blame the players for. There are certain players that have played the game that have come through in the last four years that have not really played the game. I don't want to say correctly because I don't like that idea, but have not played hard in my estimation. And that I will kill the players on. You know, that they, they have not, they have not played smart. They have not played the game hard, even though apparently Terry Collins, that's all he does. Can't possibly fire him, Ev. How could you fire him? <laughs> are, you, are you loving your little scrappy Yankee team? <laughs> how can I even think about the Yankees? The World Cup is on. That's true. Wow. Right. Does this kid still know how to segue or what? I tried <laughs> to take him off topic, and he brought it back. Dr. E-Ray Stat. Hello, brother. Hello. How are you? Tell me, before we get into the specifics of this, and this is a genuine question, even though we have discussed it off off the podcast, but th- I'm serious. Off-road. Can you off-road, off-topic, off-putting? Can you just elaborate a little bit more on why soccer has you? You had a theory about why soccer has become so important to you, and how you how you've come to follow it so closely, like even Premier League and stuff like that, like non-World Cup soccer. Can you t- tell me this theory again? Well, for me. I've found myself really kind of focusing on a few sports as I've gotten older. Football, obviously, the Jets, my, uh, you know, college basketball, my cousin Jimmy coaches, you know, uh, college basketball and, and soccer. And I've tried to look at a a certain, you know, thread going on there. It just seemed to be uh, teams that, that never do well and are certainly, uh, you know, certainly underdogs. And if they ever won would be just an amazing thrill. I, I guess, it has to do a little bit with the success I've, I've had with the Yankees over the past, you know, 10 years, you could say. Um, and the fact that, you know, uh, this is, this is just, this is kind of always, always the thing that I've kind of always been gravitated to in sports and how, what I've loved about it with soccer specifically. I mean, the entire world is better than us. They, they have been forever. There is uh, our best finish was third place before. I think there were like eight teams that year before it became modern. That was like in the 1930s. Right. Uh, you know, in the modern era, the best finish is like ninth, I think. I mean, it's literally something that that we went into this World Cup with our head coach saying, "You have no chance of winning," and the entire world <laughs> agreeing, the entire world <laughs> unanimously agreeing. So I, I guess that whole and the the fact that everything about soccer in the World Cup is exciting to me. The whole pageantry of basically every team has their own style of play. Every section of the world plays differently, and they clash. In this in this amazing showcase, it's it's just it's just the whole thing is is very interesting to me. And we had a I was telling you guys that I watched the England Italy match the other day with uh, a friend of uh, Teresa's, uh, her boyfriend uh, who's British, uh, you know, and he was. We had a great lively debate about soccer, soccer in the United States, etc. One of the things that we talked about, guys, was the idea of him watching a game entirely differently than I do. So in other words, I, I watch a soccer match differently than him. I don't, you know, I, I understand the game. It's not that. I get that it's, uh, it can be exciting, can be beautiful, can be, you know, all the things that, that uh, make it attractive. But I'm not picking up on maybe nuanced strategy or um, I just watch the game differently as 
opposed to somebody like him who's watched, you know, probably a thousand matches in his life. Uh, just like I would watch baseball differently than he would or, or football because I grew up with it. Ev, have you gotten to a point where you're starting to be able to appreciate – have you watched enough soccer where you'll watch a match today like Uruguay or something like that, like a non-United States match, and be able to pick up on what the styles are? Absolutely. And that's something that I, I would not have said I could do four years ago. But over the past four years, I've really kind of watched a, a lot more of the international friendlies that the United States have been involved with. And, uh, and in, particip- in this particular World Cup, I, I think I've pretty much caught, I'd say, 75% of the games or portions of them. And you've got to get an idea of, of, of who's playing well, who's not, you know, and, and something I would not have necessarily picked out right away. Like, for example, the United States won, but they, they lost the, the battle the entire game. They just they were right. not they did not play well and that's something you know pretty much anyone could probably figure out but it's just easier now. Right. Ev, what what is it about the sport? Now I like because I get the World Cup and because okay. I'm I'm not I'm not a huge soccer fan at all. Um, and even on Monday when the United States was playing Monday night, all day I was kind of like oh okay so they're playing later and it didn't really do anything for me until I put the game on and then I got sucked right into it and it was awesome. And I got sucked into the world cupness of it, not necessarily the soccer, the sport of it. What is it about the sport that, that you really get into? Because like the layperson like me, I find that it moves slow and there's not a lot of scoring, but you watch it so much more closely and you know the game so well now, what is it about it that interests you? I think the thing I like the most about soccer, which I think you pretty much get the same exact feeling if you're not a hockey fan and you're watching hockey playoffs or, you, or, or you know, Olympic hockey. The stakes are so high, the tension is so high, that every single time there's a movement towards the goal, you get excited. And I'm watching, you know, if you're watching San Jose versus D.C. United in the MLS, MLS on a Tuesday, that just doesn't grab me the same way. You know, maybe if I was really into the Premier League, it would feel that way. But the game about soccer, and everyone constantly talks about how it's, it's a beautiful game. And I think at this point, I completely understand that, that it's the, the way they are able to move together as a team and kind of fill spots and, and cover for each other is, is something that I, I appreciate more, I think, than any other sport right now. I was I, one of the things we got into. It's really interesting, Ev, because you, you're reared on sports the same way we were. Like you watched, you've watched a million baseball games, and you've been watching football your whole life, and you've watched basketball your whole life, uh, and, and watched those sports that I can't imagine. It's not that I can't imagine. I don't know if I would be able to invest in like another sport. Like I have no problem like getting into the World Cup and the United States every four years and I can sort of see it, but like I don't know if I could watch like a match like two years from now, like a friendly against Mexico or something like that. Like I, I just the sport itself I don't I guess doesn't interest me as much. Well remember in way. I, I played soccer for a long time. So it is right. something that oh I always naturally liked. I, I played travel soccer and you know, although I wasn't very good, I, I always loved the sport. So I think it probably was a little bit easier for me. It came from a place where I just, it was, it was always, it always captured me a little bit. And, um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've just really appreciated the, the sport a lot more than, than I guess, 
you know, I did when I was younger. Yeah, we got into we got into a real, <laughs> really lively, is one word to use. Um, I find that soccer fans, like the really hardcore soccer fans, get really defensive, like very very quickly, and yeah. and I I was I was being and I guarantee you guys you you're both gonna scoff, but I was being like completely non aggressive. I was not, you know, shouting or upset or, you know, I was actually just, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. Like, I don't care if soccer becomes the fourth sport or the third sport in the United States. I don't care. That's fine. I'm going to be okay. Um, you know, this this guy was arguing about that it was going to replace football, American football, in five years or ten years because of concussions, and that's just ridiculous. But, and I, But I didn't even say that. I didn't say, well, that's ridiculous. I said... I think that would be very difficult to do, considering the NFL made eleven billion dollars last year, and you know you'd have to get a pretty good TV contract. But and and, and more people watched the NFL draft than watched, you know, a lot of soccer. So, but the the defensiveness aside, I said to him, I think soccer's greatest hope in this country is not necessarily the MLS. It's more because you can watch games everywhere, because they're on the internet, because the accessibility to watching Premier League is what it is. Like, you can DVR a game and watch it the next day, not find out the score, not find out anything. You know, that you could follow a Premier League team, and that's how you could sort of get into soccer. Like, the, the guys in my office all follow Premier League teams. They all watch Premier League games. They pick right. their team. They, they all have teams. They watch all year. So now that the World Cup is here, these guys are ecstatic and they know every player. And they're watching every match and, you know. Yeah, and that's, those are the hardcore fans for sure. I don't think that's going to work for the general public to make it a massive sport because I think for American fans, they need an American team. They need to pretty much follow the team in their country. I don't think they're going to see that, that, that's the what teams I said. in England. With with, said, with yeah, with players all over the world on the team. Remember right. those teams in England. There's there's probably like ten different countries on each team. Right. And I said to these, I said to this this particular fellow, and he was British, so he was a fellow or a gent. <laughs> I said, I said, the the hope is that the the viewership, like you're, you know, like you said, if you have John watching, and John's like gotten into it or whatever. The hope is like you can get a generation into watching Premier League to the point where they need to put an American team in it. You know how the... Yeah, you know, I, the I think it would be silly for us to, to even suggest something like that as a possibility considering the, the history involved in that league. Okay. I, don't, you know, I don't think that's like USA taking a team from uh, you know, Canada, and, I'm sorry, basketball, or, or in baseball going across to England. I just don't even think that's close. If well, they, it's, like putting, it's like putting an American football team in London. Yeah. But I don't think it's even – that. They want I don't do. think that the history is there. I mean, the, the history – I don't think they would ever do it. I don't think Premier League would ever do that. Well, America is constantly you – know, they want to expand for, for financial reasons. Well, then the other, the, the other point there is that the, you know, FIFA, the most corrupt organization in the world uh, <laughs> outside of the Vatican, doesn't seem to really <laughs> care about the United States. Why like if that, they? Exactly. I mean, exactly. Look, you, yeah. you, there was that Great Times article about uh, the other day about 
um, on the on the day that the United States played on Monday, about and it was written by a Brit who was angry at American soccer fans and said that they had become fans as an affectation. You know, not to because they wear the scarves and do the chants and all this stuff, and they 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 are pretending to be what they think are soccer fans. Not well, that, that's a, I'm glad you brought that up because recently I joined this. Um, the American soccer fans are called the American Outlaws, and they travel with the team, and they're they're a very fast-growing group of people. In fact, I think there was 20,000 people at, at the, the USA-Ghana game, um, or in Brazil at the time. They, they travel very well, and they're diehard fans. And recently, since I joined them, they've been sending me some information about songs that they've put together, because that's what you go to a soccer game, you hear the chants of the country. Yeah. And we don't have a history. We don't have any history. This is all made up as we go along. And it is so hysterical at times to see what they've put together. They are ripping off everything from other countries, the scarves, everything like that. And it is, it's, there is no history here. They're making it up as, as they go along. So I can see from the outside how a country would, would look at the United States and be like, that's ridiculous. But you know, it's really not right to say that about a group of people that are trying to get into something. You know, they're creating their own history right now. And it's, right, it's exactly. actually kind of like, exciting for, for us. What would you do? Of course you would borrow from the things that are fun exactly. or great about And they put an American spin on things. I mean, there's certainly – they take American classic you know, hymns and songs and, and make words to them. It's, it's, definitely, it's, it's definitely kind of funny at times, to be honest with you. Yeah, that article – the other thing that article insinuated, and, and I've heard this a lot, is uh, you know, don't, you're not supposed to use the words like you know, don't call it a pitch and don't say it's a right. match. Don't, why not? Well, isn't that's that ridiculous. The, isn't that the vernacular? Like, what's the problem? So if you watch a baseball game, you're not going to call it a home run? Right. What, what are you, you going to call it, a four-bagger? I mean, come on. We, we, like, it's the vernacular. You know, you want us to say field and say well, game? I think most of the, most of the anger is the other way. Most of the diehard fans get mad when you say soccer and they get like the american diehard fans now get mad when you say soccer they get mad when you say field they want you to to use the terms that the rest of the world uses and they kind of right. give you a little attitude right and the rest the rest of the world is giving us crap for using those terms exactly it's ridiculous it is but isn't that going to prevent fans from really becoming better fans if there's this this backlash against them when they're trying I don't. I don't. I think it's certainly. Uh, it's, not, it's not easy to be a soccer fan in America. I, I definitely think it's a problem either way. But it's growing. It's very. It's very. It's growing pretty quickly, though. I feel like that the desperation of the soccer fan to either prove its legitimacy or prove how great it is is as bad as the desperation of the non-soccer fan to prove that it's not legitimate. Like they're they're on. E- Equal playing, like somebody tweeted the other day, and it's been tweeted a ton, like the rating that the United States soccer game, you know, got, that the, that the game got. And it got a great number. It had a tremendous number. And it was like, USA soccer game, blah, 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 better than this, 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 and this, you know, NHL playoffs or whatever. And, you know, but nobody cares about soccer. Dude, take it easy. It's okay. Okay. Like it was completely, it wasn't like an answer to a question. Or anything, it was just like out of nowhere. Like, why are you okay? It did a great rating. That's that's great. But why can't you just be happy about it? You know, the interesting thing here, though, is that don't you feel like we're, this is basically um, an indie band 
basically about to pop. It's like Dave Matthews in 1994, you know, let's say. You know, like, the fans are all, you know, really defensive. They, love, they follow their, their band. They follow their team very well. And then as soon as, they get, as, soon as USA Soccer gets big, everyone's going to get all, you know, like, oh, you guys are all sellouts, man. You know, we've been fans forever. Just that's, I feel like that's what USA Soccer is about to be in, like, the next 10 years. You know, I feel like, though, every four years, this conversation comes up. Like, okay, it's, now it's World Cup time, and soccer's really going to start taking off in the United States. But what, what, what do you think makes it feel different this time, Ev? No, I don't think it's different. I think what's happening is it's, it's, it's rising and dipping, rising and dipping, except it is moving upward. Do you think it I won't think, dip, it no, won't I don't dip think as much after the World Cup this yeah, year? Yeah, I think it's going to keep rising. I think it's becoming okay. more and more popular, but I don't think you're headed for a continuous explosion. I don't think that's happening right now. That's because, funny and, that and then it goes, Go ahead. This goes back to the MLS, you know, about how, you know, we, I mentioned this the other day, it's not going to work unless the MLS is a legitimate league, and there's no way. It, it's better, but it's not a legitimate league worldwide right now. Right. And it, and it won't be because the best players are going to not play there. The best players are going to Europe, and encouraged by the head of the, of the USA team, Klinsman, and the only big talent they get is past to their prime stars that are coming right. over. That's it. It's funny that it's funny that you use the band analogy because I was having this discussion the other day, guys, with um, about that New York Times article, and one of my buddies at work, Jess, said, you know, he sounds like this this British guy who wrote this sounds like the guy who was like really into a band early on, like like in, and he, right. I think I think he used the example of like uh, the. Uh, uh, the AAS or something like that, like, um, and and was like really into it early on, and like you can't, you don't know anything about that band, like you can't watch that band, exactly. you can't be into that band, like they're trying to like keep that indie band for themselves. You know, the only thing that the only thing that is, I will say, remotely irksome to me is, you know, you brought up the Dave Matthews analogy, right? So I remember at that time, it, it wasn't just that they had this hardcore fan base; it was. And if you don't like Dave Matthews, you're dumb. You know, and, or and you, I get the same feeling with soccer right now. Yeah, exactly. If you don't appreciate soccer, you're dumb. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> you know, this is uh, has soccer become a Wes Anderson movie? Like, is that is this what we're doing? Which I just watched <laughs> Grand Budapest, Budapest Hotel tonight, actually. Any good? <laughs> I liked it. it. You know, it wasn't great, but it was uh, it was definitely inter- entertaining. I'm dying to see it. Did you like it? It, it, was, it was good. Did I like what? I loved it, yes. You did like Moonrise Kingdom. I don't yes, know if we've I ever had the, the Moonrise Kingdom discussion. Oh, I loved it. I did. Yeah, so did I. It's, it's, and not, it's not in my, it's not, probably not in my top five, but it, uh, I did love it. Top five Wes Anderson or just top five? Top five Wes Anderson. What, is, what would be your top five Wes Anderson? Oh, I mean, I, okay. I, I put obviously the first three right up there. All right. Uh, so you, know how, you know how I feel about Zisu. I know you're, you're a Zizu guy. I know. Yeah. I am not a Zizu I, guy. And I and, and I love uh, I love Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think it's great. Cal uh, and PJ. Cal, uh, PJ, are you a Zizu guy? That grew on me. I was not initially. No. Initially, I was like, did I like that, or did I just see that because it was a Wes Anderson film? <laughs> but it definitely grew on me, and yeah, now I. I like it bunches and bunches. Yeah. 
Would you put Tenenbaums or Rushmore as your one? Or would they? Would would that be one and two? Ev, you would go Tenenbaums. Yes, I have my Tenenbaums love has exponentially increased, and my Rushmore love has gone down slowly. Really? Yes. Cal, not where would you go there? Low. <laughs> it's not dangerously low. Right. <laughs> I probably I go one and one A. I can't I can't decide between them. They're like my kids. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They're like West Anderson I, I, kids. I, boy, I hope you don't call them one and one A. I do. I can't decide between you. But you, you're one A because you're younger. <laughs> Emma's like, stop calling me one A. Stop. It's not funny. What? I got you this one A t shirt. Um Paige, where would you go? Tenenbaums and, and Rushmore. Are they one and two? They are one and two. And I think it would depend on my mood. If I'm more whimsical, I put I put Rushmore on top. If I'm more uh, being a Johnny movie critic, then then Tannenbaum's goes up top. God, I love whimsical PJ. Uh, I really I do. Say that you beat. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we all do. I think it's uh, because. Come on. Really... <laughs> Have you not once caught me in a sense of whimsy? I several. Often. <laughs> Ev? <laughs> often, sure. Uh, often and several. Um, I have to see Grand Budapest Hotel. I would, I would still put Rushmore yeah. 1. I would still put Rushmore you vote, 1. Yeah, it's a great movie, obviously. Um, I, I, was, honestly, I, I think I go Tannenbaum, Zen Zisu, then Rushmore. I think it's because Rushmore has one of my favorite sequences in any of his films with the... Uh, the with the Who song with You Are Forgiven and just just the sequence of the bees and the bicycle and the slow motion of him walking in the hotel and That's great. Fired. It's so good. <laughs> I've I've been better. I'm a little tired. Um Ev let's talk specifically just real quick about the um the the match coming up for the United States. Okay. Um so obviously Huge, I mean, just a tremendous win. A game, can we say they had no business winning that game, Cal? Yeah. <laughs> well, they didn't play well. But in soccer, you know, you score more than the other team, you, you, you earn the win. Uh, but I, you're right, they did, not, they did not play well overall. But they also got banged up. I mean, they lost their... Yeah, well, know, that's, they lost that's the door. That's the real thing. You lose your the whole offense is around Josie Altador. The entire offense was constructed to create opportunities for Josie Altador, and he goes down in the first half. Then Clint Dempsey gets breaks his nose, so he's completely you know you know not not uh, playing up the way he normally does. So yeah, it's going to throw any team off. I think. Did they change their style of play like immediately when Altador went down? Well, they brought in a young guy named Aaron Johansson who just recently committed from he, – he was born in Alabama. He moved to Iceland at age mm-hmm. three where his family's from, and he's finally committed to the United States. A lot like and, PJ. Uh, exactly. And he's, he's young, and he's a totally different player than Altidore. Altidore is a big, hulking back, uh, forward who creates you know, opportunities by basically boxing guys out and creating space. Johansson right. is fast and a little bit more of a distributor. And so certainly when he goes down, you have, you're basically putting a square peg in a round hole. You have to change everything around. And I don't think they were able to do that. That's why they were off. 
And how big of a fact? How big of a factor was the the, the cramping that we saw? I mean, the the it basically looked to the the person who doesn't really know soccer super well. I said this to you guys like they just killed like a thirty minute power play. Yeah. And even though they weren't a man down, it felt like they were a man down. You know, for like thirty straight minutes. I mean, I think at some point, I think Ghana scored on like their eighteenth shot. So I know those aren't the, uh, shots on goal, but they, you know, any shot taken is counted as a shot, and then there's shots on goal, right? So yeah, I think it was it was pretty scary. They had, they had like 17 yeah. shots, which is a lot for soccer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly it was it was a scary moment there, and I didn't really. Uh, I think everyone kind of was holding their breath for a long period of time. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what what Klinsman does if he starts Johansson or if he starts a guy that's a little bit more like Altidore. Uh, against Portugal, Chris Wondolowski. I, I don't know what he's going to do. Um, I was saying they should have brought Wondolowski on because he's a little more similar. But maybe if right. they have a couple of days to prepare uh, and change the offense a little bit, uh, Johansson's a better option. I'm not sure what, they, what he's going to do. Well, I mean, it's fine. They have Landon du- Oh. Yeah. Oh, never never mind. Well, it's a different position, of course. But <laughs> yes, certainly but... it would be nice to have him as an option. <laughs> yes. Exactly. He would be good to insert into the lineup, I feel like. Yeah. You know, or go, even, or even your, coming off the bench. Yeah, going back to your point about the cramping, I mean, it might, I mean I'm mean, i sure you feel the same way that I do, that you didn't see many Ghana uh, players cramping. So certainly we, everyone was dealing with the same conditions. Well, they're going to have to play Portugal literally in the rainforest on Sunday. I mean, that's not <laughs> – the, their their stadium is literally in the center of the rainforest where they're playing. Yeah, that's the, uh, the one on the, on, the, on the Amazon, right? Yeah, I'm sure, I'm, that's the, one of those things where you know, two years from now you're going to be seeing abandoned photos of the Manaus Stadium on the internet. Like, you know, they spent oh, twenty million and now it's like a bird uh, sanctuary. That was the, uh, that was that's exactly what John Oliver called it on um, last week tonight. Did you see that? No. Last week tonight he did uh, his open two weeks ago. Peach, did you see it? It was magnificent. It was about how awful FIFA is. And yet, how much he still loves soccer, and he still will watch the World Cup. Mm. And he and he did a whole. He talked about that stadium that will be used for four or five games right. in this World Cup, and then not again because there's not a team big enough to support it to play in it. And nearby. no one has even noticed that uh, Jeff Bezos' is corporate sponsorship of the stadium. It's called Amazon Stadium, but no one realizes that it's. Amazon wow. Stadium. It's the company. It's the, it's the Amazon Stadium. Well, and they made the point that they had to bring the materials up the Amazon to get them there. Yeah, so it was, you can't access like an, by anything like an other extra, than boat or plane. <laughs> right, it was like an extra $40 million just to get the stuff there. And he said in five years it's going to be the world's largest bird toilet. <laughs> Wow. So look at you and John Oliver have very similar. We're right on the same page. It's amazing. What what should we expect from this match on Sunday? What are you expecting? Portugal uh, got uh, has won. No, they lost their first match. No, they got blown out by Germany four nothing, which was right. Germany is by far and away the class in, in the division, and certainly in the tournament is one of the favorites. But nobody expected a blowout like this. And you know, watching the game, Portugal just kind of caved and. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo, who's one of the one or two best players in the world, is a little banged up, so I think he's not 100%. They had one of their best defensemen sent off 
with a red card, so he's out. They got they were extraordinarily banged up in the tournament over in the game overall. So Portugal's kind of limping in, which scares me a little bit because there's no doubt Portugal would be norm would be favored. Um, I I think with the way U.S. played against Ghana, I think they're going to struggle, um, and I think it's going to be low scoring. I, I wouldn't be surprised surprised if it's a one nothing type of game, and uh, you know ho- hopefully they can pull something out here. I mean I. I think I think this team is very confident. I think that's very important in the World Cup. Do you is is this is also a an elimination game for Portugal, right? Yes, they they lose, they're out. They tie, they have a chance. The US um obviously if they win, um they're they're in. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not true. If if Germany beats Ghana and the USA wins, they're in. So right. and Germany ah. plays first, so this could be wrapped up uh you know, uh, on Sunday for the U.S. Ev, could you just explain again how it works, how they advance in the tournament? Okay, so there's groups A through H, uh, each group of four. Each team plays each other once, a little round robin. Uh, the two first-place teams in each division advance to the next round of 16, where it's knockout at that point forward. So as of right now, USA and Germany are in control of their division with, six, with three points each. Each win is three points, a tie is one, a loss is none. When you get to the end of the group stage, if you're tied, the team with the better goal differential advances. So if U.S. and Portugal finish with you know four points each, uh, if USA has more, you know certainly is an advantage because Portugal is already down four goals from their right. Germany loss. Okay. Right. And then they and then they are seeded in the round of 16 randomly, or are they no. Well, the 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 groups each have seeds. The first and two teams. There's two teams in each group that are seeded. So Germany and Portugal are seeded in the USA group. Um, and so that's how the groups were constructed. But when the, the first-place team advances, they automatically play the second-place team in a pre-decided group. So G's first place plays, I believe, H's first, second place. So okay. That doesn't change, even if you know the, the better team finishes second right they still so like you could like before the se- the, the the tournament started everyone was talking about how spain and brazil could play each other in this in the first round well obviously mm-hmm. we know now that's not possible because spain's, spain's out limited spain's out they're out okay so give us a a quick predictor for sunday how do you I, feel I think it's good. how's your gut you feel good I, I feel i feel good i think that there's no better opportunity to play portugal than sunday they're, we have the best player in the world banged up. They have a great player that's not available. They have a couple other injuries, and they are certainly reeling. Now, I, obviously, that could be a, a dangerous situation. They could have a guy that's pressure. But, yeah, trap, maybe a trap game. But I, if, this is the United's best opportunity to win, uh, to advance. If they don't win this game, they're faced with beating Germany to get in, and that's very, very tough. So I think they're going to go all out, and I think they're going to probably win one nothing. Let me ask. That's that's fascinating. One more question there, though. If they do lose, um, or or tie, say, and so they're not in, and they'll need to beat Germany to be in, and Germany wins and is already in. Does Germany do? How do they play that game? I mean, does that happen? Does Germany not play its best players? Maybe sit somebody who's a little banged up. That does happen. If Germany is in, which they, all they have to do is beat Ghana, then they may possibly rest their players. Um, so 
And, you know, obviously if Ghana wins, everything is completely crazy. <laughs> because if Ghana beats Germany, then the entire division is up for grabs. Then it's then every, it's, it's uh, no holes All barred in Moscow. That's right. Exactly. But it's not, that's not likely, is it, Evan? Well, Ghana's a good team. Yeah, Ghana's very good. And I think any team, can, I think as you've seen in this World Cup, any team could beat any team really at this point. No one expected Spain to, to do what they've done here. And uh, certain teams like Costa Rica have, have surprised so far. Ghana can beat Germany. I don't think they will. PJ fully expected this out of Spain, didn't you, PJ? I would like to point out at this point that my son's team, the Freehold Soccer League's, um, <laughs> uh, I forgot what they're called, Yellow Jackets, um, are undefeated going into their last game this Saturday. Wow. That's, this, so it's a big game this Saturday. Well, they, they, they would like a perfect season. They really would. <laughs> <laughs> They've gotten greedy. Perfect season. Well, we're I not going it. to friendlies right. unless it's a perfect season. There will be no fribbles unless it's a perfect season. I'll have the peach. Well, All right, Ev, uh, anything I you want to promote? I got nothing to promote, but I wanted to ask you one other question. Was there a carefully placed phone call to your was it who is the friend that's the friend of England whose team was eliminated today no I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't that's uh, you got to use the same kind of caution that you would in America for that I would think right yeah no I would never I would never do that I would never do All that right. he was you've, you always, know, we were, you've always been a gentleman that's correct he was uh, we were visiting them and there for the day and he had sort of forgotten that you were across the pond I don't remember no, that's right. <laughs> um, and he sort of forgot that those two things were happening, like we were visiting for the day and that the match was on. And so at 6 o'clock, like, we might as well have turned into whatever. Like, I could have taken my pants down and Zulu'd around his house. What? And he, he would not have cared at all because he was completely transfixed by this game. Completely. And I, I was like, wow, you, this is like me watching a jet game. Like, this is, you're into this. Okay. I, I'll, be, I totally I'll be times a thousand. Cause right. <laughs> I totally respect it. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I kept Wesley out of the living room and, you know, I said, let's, let's leave him alone. He may snap on us. Well, if and he we, didn't snap then, he might have today. Yeah. He, he didn't have any expectations for this team, for that team. Yeah, that's pretty much been the, the storyline out of England. This is a rebuilding year, I guess you could say. A rebuilding cup. Boy, boy. Yes. We, we think we got it bad with Alderson. Yeah, imagine we got to wait another four years. For well, we the, do. For the most of, <laughs> we do. We do have to wait another four years. Yes. Ev, how's that book coming on? <laughs> My life story, are you talking about? No, no, just reading a book. <laughs> Any book. Oh, it's going great. Pretty good. Uh, do you highlight passages in the book when you read to impress Steve later? Highlight passages in a book? Yes, I was talking earlier on the show about how I uh, sometimes read a book with a highlighter. Oh, um, I very often will uh, earmark a page for something that I find very interesting. Yes. Oh, the ear, we didn't get the, the dog, the earmark, yeah. Dog yeah. flap, what do you call it? Yeah. And I don't even know why Dog I do year. that because I, I've never revisited a book, I don't think. <laughs> I do it anyway. <laughs> have you ever read a book twice? I have, yes. 
What book? I read Catcher in the Rye several times when I was a, a, a young man in my teens and college years. And uh, I, I, on the same level, I've read uh, Harry Potter a few times. <laughs> those are very similar books. Yeah. Well, not the whole series a couple of times. Cal, is there a book that you... Oh, this is a great time to segue to that un, uh, fun load you wanted to do. We have a couple of minutes left, Peach. That fun load you wanted Please. to do a couple weeks ago, a piece of art that you just don't... What is it? You just don't get? Was that it? Oh, that sounds good. Can I say that? Can I step out kindly and say I, I don't get any of it? <laughs> no. <laughs> it wasn't just like a like a like a painting or something. It was like a, a movie or a book or. <clears throat> was that it? Yeah. Wait, wait, what is what is what are these widely praised pieces of art that you just don't connect with? Whether it's music or you know this huge song, this amazing movie, this masterpiece uh, hanging in the Louvre. Um, take your pick. I, I'll start. I have one that is going to throw uh, Dr. Eristad and Cal into a tizzy. Oh, no. I bet you, Ev, I bet you know what it is. Cal, I bet you do too. I think I do. It's a movie. Hmm. Shawshank. Wow. I'm not a... I'm just, that. It, it's fine. I don't see it as... I've seen it maybe twice. I don't get what the hubbub is about. It's a nice movie. Ooh, you started us off well here. I, uh, Friendship I I over. <laughs> started with a gut punch. Thank you. I think we're all saying to ourselves right now that we don't really know you like we thought we did. Exactly. I don't think this guy understands friendship, obviously. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I can continue. <laughs> Cal just hung up the phone. Uh, Show canceled. 180th and Final last, episode. last episode. French, friendships ended that night. As Andy Dufresne <laughs> took a sip of his beer. <laughs> Everybody knew. That friendships end in that night. Um, um, give me a movie. Give me a movie. I just went out on a limb for you guys. Give me a movie. Who? Anybody? You? Oh, I got one. Uh, I heart Huckabees. I don't get it. I love that movie, but that's not widely accepted as a classic. Ah, <laughs> oh, that movie sucks. I, I I got two good ones. I got an A and a B. Two two classics that almost almost do nothing for me. Raging Bull, and I'm going to say it. Dare enough. you? Dare you? Well, I'm what? Wow. Yeah. It's oh. it's just a movie to me. It's not a, it's, it's not a great big thing. It's just a movie. Peter, what have you done? <laughs> I just took you out a white glove, and I am demanding a duel. I demand that. <laughs> this may be the single most dangerous fun load ever. <laughs> I think the mirror just showed up at your door. It's a danger load. A little bit. <laughs> wow, that sounds filthy. <laughs> that sounds dirty. <laughs> you, what, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, we have to explain ourselves now. I, think I, say, I say no explanations needed. Fine. Cal. Cal. You need a movie. <laughs> it's a blind superhero. 
Yes, Cal looking... never cared for Gone with the Wind. <laughs> he does not understand. No. no, Singing in the Rain, not my, not my cup of tea. That's a good movie. It's a great movie. Um, Star Trek. Ooh. Any I and all. That. Yeah, the Star Trek franchise. It was, you know, much more interested in Star Wars. Star Trek, not, not so much. Fair. I can't argue with that one. Did you see the reboot? No. The reboot was very good. Why would he go back if he lost interest the first time? <laughs> because I, I, I did not care for the original Star Trek, and the, I thought the reboot was fantastic. Well, they changed the faces, so it might be better. Exactly. I, um, I, I can't believe... I, I'm sorry. i got to go back to Goodfellas. What? <laughs> I'm, I don't, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. Right, that's I'm how I said you don't get it. I don't, yeah, there's, there's no, re, you get no reverence out of, out of me for, for Goodfellas. <laughs> this, that's, this is a very odd place to say this. <laughs> it's like walking into a bar in Long Island and just declaring this, right? Right. right. Billy Joel sucks. <laughs> I would like to I'd like to throw one out there. Please. I think I'm the only person on the planet who doesn't get or like Mystic River. Interesting. No, I'm with you. I didn't like Mystic River. Oh, I'm not alone. I feel so much better. Mystic River was <laughs> Mystic River was two hours of just going back and forth and saying, Well, he either did it or he didn't do it. Did he do it? Or didn't he do it? Did he do it? I love he probably it. did it. That sounds like the hipster version. I love it. <laughs> I, yeah, totally, I have no patience He totally did it. Did he do it? Did he do it? Wait. I love this Which movie. Which guy? It's like, did he do it? Was he in Shawshank? <laughs> Uh, I, uh, that's a that's a good one to throw out there. Yeah, that's very solid. I think you could do this a lot with movies because I I think it gets a little sketchier with music. Well, no, I got one. All right, sir. All right, sir. Music. Well, that's everybody's got that one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's the, literally the only one idea that I had. Cal was stealing Dan. I don't have an idea who who would like this and why. Right. There are members of Steely Dan who believe the very same thing. Donald, Donald Fagan's like, well, you know, you don't, you don't really have to like us. I don't get us. I never got us. <laughs> this is some heady crap right here. I just listened to Peg again. I don't get it. <laughs> you're telling me, wait, you're telling me people like this? All right. Huge rock band that I have no reverence for is the Rolling Stones. I'm with you there, buddy. Yeah. I can yeah. understand it. I definitely can understand it, but I don't dislike them as much as that. I don't get them. I don't get it. Never have. Never have. I put. I'm going to throw Bob Dylan in there too. No. Nope. See, now we're not talking. <laughs> now Evan's really going to hang up. <laughs> Let me get this straight. You don't like Shawshank Redemption or Bob Dylan? Who are you? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't really get or like the Who. Oh, kinky. Yep. I, I mean, I can under, I can appreciate some of their stuff, but I I just will never choose to listen to the Who. Really? Yeah. I did not see that coming. I didn't see that one. No. How about uh, Cal? You got some music there. Well, I gave you Steely Dan. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. Well, I, start, I started. Right, but we all don't like Steely Dan. Oh, so oh, it's like in Wheel of Fortune. That's right. Like the RST L enemy. It's disallowed because it's unanimous. Right. We all got. We all got letters. So I'll give you another one. Um, nah, I can't think of one off the top of my head. There's, I, I, I'm telling you, I think music is harder. I do, because it's so subjective. Bob Marley? Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Oh, wow. I, I, again... Bishop not, is surprised. <laughs> Bishop's surprised. We're not, we're not saying any of it is bad. Right, right. I, I'm going to throw one out there. Henrik Lundqvist. So there you go. <laughs> he's terrible at reggae. <laughs> I don't get why he's in a reggae band. I do not understand it. Not that he's this is actually a really good sport to, uh, topic to tie in with soccer, since most people don't get soccer. That's true. Or do they not get it, or do they just not like it? Or they just plain dislike it. I think that's probably it. Well, that's like hockey. A lot of, a lot of people don't get hockey. That's, and I'm one of them, unless it's Olympic hockey. Then I auto, all of a sudden am a diehard fan. But if it turns on. But if it's the same thing with a hockey snob saying, well, you just don't get it. Well, no, it may not be that I don't get it. It just may be that I don't like it. Right. You know, that's the same thing with soccer. When, they, when I keep getting told endlessly that because I don't like it, it's because I don't get it. No, no, I get it. I just don't like it. No, that's not necessarily the case, but... Oh, Bruce Springsteen. Oh, there it is. Uh, and that's a great Wait one. A, Way to bring it. Yeah, it's good. Is anybody alive out there? <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the winner. That's the winner. Let's wrap it. Oh, do you have a we, book? We, I was going to say Catcher in the Rye. Can we just quote Costanza once and say, I don't get art. <laughs> I got ten thousand dollars worth of triangles. <laughs> the uh, I only said catcher in the rye because you said it. I was just kidding. No, I, I will not say con- that I can, about. Confederacy of dunces. Don't 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 get it. You yeah, what's up? Why is that book so gosh darn great? I I, I don't know. I, have, I don't, I don't, I, I read it, I was unmoved. It's a book. <laughs> About that, a fat that, There it was. That was my review. Hey, that was a book. <laughs> Congrats. It's a book. It's been a great show, everybody. I'd like to thank our musical guest, Steely Dan. <laughs> and our host tonight, Dr. Iray Stat. Thank you, Dr. Iray, our guest host. Uh, 
E-Ray Final Unload. Well, it's got to be Go USA. Let's let's hope for a uh, big win on Sunday. Let's do it. I love it so much. Thanks, Ev. Thanks for having me on, guys. PJ Final Unload. My God, will someone please call me or text me or message me on Facebook to discuss Game of Thrones with me? Someone. <laughs> who has any... How come all my friends are the ones who don't watch? What's going on? I'm lonely. PJ, final plea for help. <laughs> Cal, final one look. Hey, Steve, congratulations to your little guy tomorrow on his graduation. Congratulations to my two girls. They'll be graduating next week. Nice. Congratulations to all the grads in this graduation season. And the summer is upon us. And my final unload is uh, we lost Tony Gwynn this week, one of the great hitters of our generation, one of the greatest baseball players I ever got to see play. Guys, he faced Greg Maddox like 130 times. He hit 415 against him and never struck out. It's ridiculous. He was a tremendous ball player and a tremendous guy, and we lost Tony Gwynn way too early. So, rest in peace, Hit King. 5.5 hole. All right, we'll see you next week. I'm ready to unload with Cal and Sam. Pete, thanks, you guys. Good night, Cal. Good night, PJ. Good night, Ev. I don't like the Bible. <laughs> I was wondering when someone was going to put that one in there. (laughs) Good night.